Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the full 10 yard Super Bowl podcast. The stage is set. Hard Rock is ready. Super Bowl LIV or Super Bowl Live, as I like to call it. Congratulations to her, wherever she is. Uh, all the other all the other lives out there. Liv Tyler, Liverpool, live in La Divida, Loca. Um, any others you can think of, let's know. Full 10 yards. Uh, yes, that's me, Tim, Timothy Lambert Monk. I am back. Can you tell I'm excited, chaps? Can you tell I'm excited? Not about the uh, Super Bowl, just the <laughs> fact that I have a poxy internet. Um, but anyway, enough of that. No one needs to know about that kind of stuff um yes Kansas City of course faced the San Francisco 49ers for the right to be called world champions and for the right to decide whether or not they want to go to the White House so for a Super Bowl we've assembled a super cast of podcasters even Marvel would be jealous first Sean you may recognize him from the other podcast doing a stellar job this week Sean welcome you in some quality pods mate um enjoying obviously focusing on one team did that help whet the appetite for the Super Bowl yeah, it certainly wet the appetite. I'm even more confused now as to who I think he's going to win. Um, really enjoyed it the last couple of days with the fellas. Um, you know, two evenly matched sides, which I know we're obviously going to get into. So, bring on Sunday, mate. Really looking forward to it. Mm, and we, yeah, you've probably got about, what, 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes to, to make mine up before we get a prediction out of you uh, towards the end. Uh, Lee, your holiday season is just about to start, I think, isn't it? If, you, if it hasn't already, college and draft ex- expert, of course. Are you uh, looking forward to the Super Bowl or are you more looking forward to the draft? Uh, no, no, looking forward to the Super Bowl for sure. Obviously, look forward to it every year, don't you? You know, we, we get this really short season. We look forward to it all summer. And then it's gone before we know it kind of thing, isn't it? So, yeah, no, definitely looking forward to the Super Bowl. And then everyone can kind of focus on us in the draft. Mm, absolutely, yeah. F- fantasy football mock drafts, probably, what, a week away? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we've also <laughs> bring in Lawrence, Mr. Retro, who posted a 49ers article over the last few days, the 1981 49ers. Lawrence, how are you doing? Fun. I'm I'm really, really looking forward to this game. I love the fact we've got an, an original Super Bowl matchup. You know, this is the first time these two teams have, have faced each other in a Super Bowl, so it's all fresh. Nothing to really go on. It's it's just it's just gonna be fantastic. So can't wait. Can't wait. And also, uh, James is the uh, fifth and final member of today's crew, creator of, of course, the Hype Train content during the season. Uh, I think it's fair to say the train's been put into the depot for the off-season, but uh, back for your second pod in quick succession, uh, succession James. Um, I suppose the joke, the joke's normally, I suppose, two buses um, when two, th- two things come in quick succession, but I suppose let's just pretend for a moment it's trains. Yeah, this, um, I can't even begin to reply to that one. You can't <laughs> that one so badly. Yeah. All right, well, hopefully that's not a pre a pre site to the rest of the podcast. But let's get into it. Like I say, um, Kansas City and San Francisco will be getting it on on Sunday night. Um, before we obviously not going to get into too much of the history of the Super Bowls and all, all the rest of it, but there are kind of some storylines uh, which we'll be getting onto as well on the podcast. But just a quick gloss over what's been going on so far. Yeah, Kansas City of one one. Uh, which was Super Bowl four, uh, Lawrence. I'm sure you'll be uh, you were there for that one, and uh, obviously lost one as well. Uh, I think it's fair to say San Francisco Super Bowl royalty uh, one five lost one uh, with the, obviously the most recent loss coming against the Ravens in Super Bowl forty seven in that blackout game. Uh, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan also been in a couple of Super Bowls. Andy Reid, of course, um, uh, with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles as head coach, and Kyle Shanahan famously. 
the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator in that famous 28-3 blown lead game. Um, so both losing to the Patriots as well. So yeah, you can't get, get the Patriots out of Super Bowls, can you? Let's be honest. Um, a couple of players that have Super Bowl experience, so we'll get to some of these as well. Emmanuel Sanders, Jimmy G, uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, there's probably some others uh, there as well that I've, I've not really glossed over. But um, Hard Rock Stadium, this is the 11th time, ladies and gentlemen, that that's Miami have hosted the Super Bowl. Uh, and it's the sixth time this stadium has actually hosted it as well. So obviously it was named you know, Dolphin Stadium, Sun Life Stadium, uh, and the Robbie Stadium as well. And funny enough, San Francisco have already won twice in this stadium for the Super Bowls, beating the Bengals and your Chargers, Lee. I don't know if you remember that one too well. Uh, it was a fair, fair bit of time ago. Before um, my time, I think. Yeah, but yeah. Lawrence, were you there? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there we go. Uh, last, obviously, last couple of Super Bowls to remind you of last year. Obviously, the Patriots and the Rams in that snooze fest. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean the defensive battle, Lee. Um, Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia won two years ago in Minnesota in the 41-33 game, Nick Foles. And then, of course, you had the, fa- the famous Patriots come back against the Falcons in overtime. But let's get into it. Let's get into first down. Let's talk about why San Francisco will win the game. James, do you just want to give us a pre- a quick breakdown of the schemes both sides of the ball I'll do my best so I imagine most people know by now with the 49ers you've got Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback in the team and, but it's a team that's predominantly based on the run on offence so they have multiple interchangeable backs in my opinion albeit at the moment Raheem Mostert seems to be the cream that's come to the top albeit Matt Breeder and Tevin Coleman both seem to be healthy and ready for the, for the Super Bowl so you may yet get a sprinkling of all three. Um, in terms of receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, all ready up front. But obviously the main focus of attention, probably tight end George Kell. So they're very much, if we can't run through you, we'll probably pass it through you anyway. So they're very much versatile on offense. On defense, they've managed to get what's called the wide nine scheme. So the idea is you have... It's basically a bit of a 4-3 stack where the linebackers can come through and plug the holes in, which has been massively effective this season. And with the personnel they've got, with uh, number two overall pick, Nick Bosa, um, Eric Armstead, uh, D Ford, multiple, well, Richard Sherman on the back as well, trying to, with his three interceptions this season, they've got all the personnel they need on the back end in order to be able to try and cope with the Chiefs. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, Lee. Obviously, you are a defensive, defensive-minded person. You love a bit of defense. You, you know, your favorite, <laughs> your favorite Super Bowl was last year, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Nothing <laughs> wrong with uh, it. Uh, so, to, 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 to <laughs> give us, give us the keys on on defense in terms of what what San Francisco need to do to to stop the Kansas City, because obviously they're well known for for chunk hmm. plays. They're known for being explosive offense. What what are San Francisco going to do to to be able to to nullify that? So I think the key is kind of to frustrate Patrick Mahomes, um, slow them down, like you say, limit the chunk players. And if they can't do that, they kind of get a bit stuck and the wheel starts to get a bit sticky. So, you know, you're playing a lot of zone at the back end, keeping people bracketed, people like Tyreek Hill, you know, Hardman, they're they're this track team, aren't they? You know, they can just take the top of anyone. So you've got to keep them bracketed with the DBs. And it's just about that pass rush up front. You know, James has mentioned a couple of the guys, Nick Bosa, D Ford, Eric said. And then, you know, using that wide nine to be able to have more space to rush off the edge and be able to get after Patrick Mahomes. And I think it's useful to also bracket Patrick Mahomes well and contain him because, you know, every now and then he can break out a run. You know, we saw it against the Titans, but the tackling was terrible. But, you know, he can break off that big run and get out of jail free card kind of thing by 
you know, moving the chains with his legs. So you've got to contain Patrick Mahomes, keep him in the pocket, keep him from making these long plays downfield and just kind of limit their sort of big big playability, like you said, and see what we can do on offense for the 49ers and see if they can, you know, pull off these chunk plays of their own. Mm. Of course, obviously, Lee, Richard Richard Sherman, a previous winner of a Super Bowl, and he's been mm. on the wrong side as well. What, what kind of experience you know, does, that, does that kind of give someone uh, a, a defence like uh, San Francisco? Because obviously you've got Nick Bosa, and you know, there's a couple of guys on that defence that will be playing in their first Super Bowl. Um, is it, will they be looking to him to kind of elevate, help elevate their games and you know, try and understand what goes on during a Super Bowl? Because even, even now, like today, all the stuff that they're going through is not going to be the norm. They're not going to experience it mm. before. So what kind of, what kind of um, leadership is, is he going to have to, to give to this San Francisco 49ers defence? Do you reckon he well, turns up as a captain? Or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been to two Super Bowls, obviously, like you say, come you know, out on the right end and the wrong end each time. Um, and he's just going to be keeping everyone calm, I'd imagine, keeping everyone level. Like you say, he's telling people to enjoy things like media day, um, but not, you know, don't get ahead of yourselves and just live in the moment kind of thing. Um, and like you say, I think he's just going to be the leader of the D. You've got Emmanuel Sanders on the other side who has had the same results as Sherman. Uh, one one lost one, I believe, with Denver. And um, you know, they're going to be the kind of people who want to be settling down the young guys. You're settling down Nick Bosa. You know, you mentioned the White House. Nick Bosa's going to be dying to meet Trump. So, <laughs> um, you know, he's he's going to have to be settling these guys down. They've got a lot of young guys on that D and well, on the whole team, really. But um, yeah, people like that. George Kittle's another one. You know, the leaders of that team. Kyle Shanahan, obviously, he's been in the Super Bowl. These people are going to be yeah calming the ship. I would say not getting people too wound up. Mm, absolutely and sure I'm come to you obviously um, there's a, a big fascination about the way Kyle Shanahan operates his offense and giving you the same looks but doing totally different plays but what, what, who are the key players for you on the, on the San Francisco side of things well I think a lot of it you know essentially comes down to you know the game flow in terms of the way that Shanahan's going to approach you but you know it's always ideal to have a player that's as versatile as George Kittle uh, at the tight end position because, you know, he's essentially an absolute monster when it comes to getting involved in the run game. He loves blocking. You can see he actually gets fired up for it. He's not one of these tight ends who, you know, doesn't want to do that dirty side of the game. He, he really wants to go and hit someone hard. Um, you know, he, he's quite happy for that ball to be run play after play after play after play. You often see him coming over to the sidelines and there's, there's plenty of audio when he's been mic'd up, almost, you know, begging Shanahan to continue running the ball. But obviously, you know, he's phenomenal through the air as well. I think an awful lot he's been made about the fact that he only had one target last week. Um, or not last week, sorry, you know, the week before. Obviously, we've had the Pro Bowl in between. Haven't we? In the, <laughs> did, he, did he play in that the, as well? He, he probably would have done, yeah. Um, he obviously only had the one target. I think a lot's been made of it. But if you look at his season on the whole, you know, he averages around about eight targets per game. Um, you know, so it's not as though he goes short of targets. He's averaged over 75 yards a game. Again, you know, he, he's not short of putting up numbers. There's been three occasions he's put up over 100 yards. And he's absolutely capable of turning this game on its head if it needs to be done through the air as well as on the ground. He's the kind of player for anybody that plays Madden. If you go into edit a player and you look at his ratings, he's the kind of guy that you have to sort of look at the ratings for every sort of facet of the game. You, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that you want with excellent blocking skills. He's the kind of guy you want with excellent receiving skills, with excellent release skills. And it is a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, isn't it? The tight end position, some of the guys only block, some of the guys only receive. This is very much a guy that can do both. 
um, and he's equally excellent at both. And I think that's one advantage that the the Niners have got. You know, there's two excellent tight ends on display. It's not to say that I think that Kittle will have a bigger game than Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey, you know, very much more reliable, I would suggest, in the receiving game. He's not quite as effective in the run-blocking game. Um, you know, Kittle is probably the superior talent at the position. Um, you know, and that's potentially an advantage that the Niners have got, but it will depend on the game in terms of the scoreboard and the way it's flowing as to what um, approach Shanahan uses. But, you know, Kittle will come up trumps either way. Absolutely, and another another dynamic of that offense is obviously Kyle Hughescheck as well. Uh, he's been getting a lot of love over the last couple of weeks in terms of you know his blocking and setting up plays for those running backs to do their stuff. Um, just obviously on George Kittle, you said about Madden. There, it's the kind of um, he's the kind of player that when you go and create a player and you make yourself. You always think, oh, yeah, I'm good at that. Yeah, I'm good at that as well. I'll just give me just give me 99 for everything, and then that, that is George Kittle. <laughs> there you go. Uh, before before obviously San Francisco, uh, we did a pod, obviously you did a pod a couple of days ago, uh, breaking down their season, breaking down their offense, breaking down their defense. So make sure you go and check that out as well. So that should that is it definitely in the feed. Very much a good listen. Um, but before we move on to Kansas City boys, quick A or B for you. What's more likely to happen? Jimmy Garoppolo, my favorite player in the whole of the NFL, does he throw for? <laughs> does he throw for 300 yards or under 100 we'll go around the table Sean I think he's more likely in this game to throw for over 300 which I know will probably surprise you um, but I think just based on the game flow I think you know he's going to have to throw it a lot more than he has done and I think to be fair to him and Jacob brought up this point on the pod on Monday when we released it um, when he's been asked to go toe-to-toe and when he's been asked to throw the ball he has actually come up trumps in a number of occasions you, you think back to particularly that Saints game um, you know, when he and Breeze both ended up with 349 yards, um, you know, for what it's worth, I think he's going to come somewhere in between the two, if I'm being completely honest. But I think oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. It's more likely, I would suggest, that he'll go for big numbers than little numbers. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Lawrence? Over. Over. I think, I mean, I'm just looking here. Garoppolo's had one, two, he's had three over, three games over 300 yards in the regular season. Cool, that many. Which, yeah. Yeah, and he, 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 he this is from a guy he, who supports the Cowboys. He, hey, hey, well, 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 hang on, wait, wait. hang on a minute, wait. So, how, no, that's how, a, that is a dated statement, I've got that, to say, but yeah. <laughs> one you. good season and then I we think, go for this. I, th- I think what you want to do is you want to pull up NFL stats and look at passing yards for this season. One season. Where's, how's, 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 how's Philip Rivers doing? I don't mind anymore. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's. Miss sorry, it. sorry, Lawrence. Bit of decorum, people. Bit of decorum. <laughs> no, I was just going to say. So, I mean, Garoppolo. Yeah, he's had he's had the three games. The one in that that huge game against the Saints. That big, um, the big ninety-four point explosion. Past the three hundred and forty-nine yards. So he can, can he can compete and he can throw when he needs to. If in you know if if it's going to be a battle of the passing. Um, Murdered the Cardinals with 424 yards, and then his other um, 300 game was was also against the Cardinals. So, mm. you know, it's it's possible, um, but I'd, I'd definitely be going the over rather than the under. James, I'm very much in the over camp as well. I actually have a bit of a feeling that this could be a bit of a shootout, and that you maybe not quite to the level that the Saints game was, but I can see. Mahomes versus Garoppolo, Jimmy G's going to have to throw it a lot more. I suspect he actually might well go over 300, just to spite you, really. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't worry, mate. I'm already on the bandwagon for next season slump. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> you've left out. Lee, you know, Lee, I suppose you're over as well, are you? I mean, what, what do you think I'm going to say? I'm not going to go under after what we've been going on about all season, am I? From your no, curveball, go under. Like, like, we, like Sean said, I mean, it's going to be something in between, but I think he's more likely to go over than under. It's not going to be a game, you know, like what we saw when he had like, what, 69 yards or whatever it was and six passes. Um, it's going to be, you know, more likely to be a bit of a shootout on Sunday, I would say. So, yeah, I'm going to go for over. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's almost as if kind of the Jimmy G passing game is a kind of a, an emergency break glass kind of thing. You know, they're going to establish the run game, but then if they if they do get behind or uh, they need to score some points, you know, Kansas City's second in terms of percentage of drives that end in a score. So Kansas City are going to keep the, keep the scoreboard ticking over. So there might be points in the game where they're going to have to score. Um, so it's just me kind of, you know, like I say, an emergency break glass kind of situation and, and then off you go. But um, ideally, they, they obviously want to stick to the run game because that's what's been working for them, and that's how they can, you know, they can set up all the same the same looks and do stuff off that and play and play action as well. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that was. Uh, I thought I'd throw a little A and B out there. Okay, let's move on to why Kansas City will win the game. Uh, James, give us a, a quick breakdown of of Kansas City. So, obviously, Patrick Mahomes on the quarterback, MVP last year, and. If he hadn't got injured this year, who knows? Could have been the same. Uh, very much speed in the offense with Tyreek Hill and Mikhail Hardman, who I imagine might get touched on later on. Um, Travis Kelsey, so this is going to very much have a battle of the tight ends with Kelsey versus Kittle. Um, so, and Damian Williams is a more than capable running back, albeit Kansas City are very much more known for their passing style. Um, it's whether Mahomes will have a chance to be able to nullify the pass rush, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, Defensive-wise, the Chiefs have been a bit maligned in the last few years, but this year, a bit of a, well, quite an improvement with the new 4-3 scheme. Tyron Matthew, the honey badger on the back, has been probably a standout player for them. Frank Clark at the defensive end has always been, well, has also been lights out for them this season. So, And a little bit of a side note, a bit of a funny one here. Terrell Suggs on the team, remember back when he was waived by the Arizona Cardinals and he threatened that he wouldn't uh, report to practice unless he was um, picked up by the Ravens. I bet he's got he actually turned up to the Chiefs now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing what um, the, the carrot of the Super Bowl can do for some people. Um, Lawrence, okay, we've obviously given you, you know, there's a key matchup here as to what Kansas City's game plan is going to be. It's going to be that Chiefs offensive line, isn't it? And uh, tell, tell us what they need to do in terms of, of, of nullifying that pass rush from the San Francisco 49ers that include Nick Poser and, and all the other guys there that um, are very big, scary men. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's, this is going to be a, a really tough matchup for this. Um, Chiefs offensive line I had a, had a little look into them because a lot of them are not household names probably the two tackles Eric Fisher and Mitchell Swartz you, you know the names but that interior of the offensive line um, Andrew Wiley second year he's beaten up right now um, had an illness and an ankle injury he you know was an undrafted free agent back in 2017 bounced around four teams as a rookie in the, and notice the numbers here. It's his 24th career start. For centre, Austin Reiter, it's also his 24th career start. So Reiter as centre started all 16 games for the first time in his career this season. 
He back in 2015, he was actually drafted by my Redskins, but then got got ditched. Um, did play for the Browns, um, but he tore his ACL in 2016. So there's there's a bit of weakness there. And right guard Laurent Deverne Tardif, and that lovely, beautiful named right guard. He's never started 16 games in a season. Um, he's been with, with the Chiefs six seasons. So this is it's an unheralded offensive line. That The one thing that they've done is they've adapted to the style of Patrick Mahomes and his movement. So they are aggressive. What they're going to have to do is a bit more of what the, the Packers did. I mean, just having a look at the time of possessions for the, for the two... 49ers playoff games, they had 38, just, just under 38 and a half minutes against the Vikings, um, but they only had 28 minutes 47 against the Packers. So it's, it's absolutely crucial that the, the Chiefs sustain long drives and keep that 49ers running game off the field. Now, it's, this is, we, we know from watching what the Chiefs have done for the last two weeks is they kind of, they, they're kind of, you know, sleepwalking in the first quarter for those those two games and then they wake up and then it's all kind of quick plays quick drives but they've got to change the game plan they've got to get that running game going and they've got to sustain some long drives so this is the key it's an offensive line that okay it hasn't had the the recognition by you know sort of pro bowl all pro this year but they are solid they they have formed a really good unit but they are going to be under pressure against the 49ers defensive line that you just don't know where they're going to attack from. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year, DeForest Buckner, D. Ford. And then, you know, we haven't even started talking about the linebackers who all have pass rush capability. So, you know, this is a this is a this is a swallow deep um, situation for the Chiefs offensive line, but they have proved that they can do it. So it's, it's going to be an absolutely crucial matchup. Yeah, one person obviously that's got to d- d- decipher all that at the line to see who's coming is Patrick Mahomes. He's obviously the key player uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's the one that makes this uh, this team tick. He's the one that can can break a, a twenty yard run out of nothing. But um, you know, it's all about his athleticism. He you know being able to throw, uh, you know, whilst looking the other way across his body, just making it look so easy. Um, I think I think quite a lot of this actually will will come down to his legs. I think you know one way you can nullify pass rushing is is through um, either bootlegging or you know designed quarterback runs to yeah, get get through holes. Uh, as like I say, you've you've got those you know, those four defensive linemen and the three linebackers coming at you. You know any combination of those coming at you, he needs to be able to identify who's coming um, to then maybe try and weave a way back you know through the uh, line of scrimmage. Um, you know, 53 yards rushing last couple of games as well so he can do it with his legs he is very mobile um, obviously he had, uh, he had injury to his knee was it a dislocated knee uh, earlier in the season as well so he's clearly over that now otherwise he wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be totaling the amount of yards that he does uh, and the other thing as well you know if the San Francisco 49ers give them you know, give the weapons of Kansas City a bit too much a uh, bit too much depth um, yeah Patrick Mahomes is just gonna just gonna pick you apart underneath 
but he can also, you know, if people, if all the wide receivers are running down, doing nine routes and doing you know, deep posts and all the rest of it, he he can uh, can wheel out and certainly pick up uh, decent decent yards as well. You know, he's pick up third downs, pick up fourth downs if he needs to as well. So, um, you know, someone mentioned the the touchdown there against the Titans uh, and the bad tackle, and obviously you probably won't get that in San Francisco. But it did it did liken it to uh, I don't know if you guys watch Family Guy, but you know, deep up the uh, deaf uh, greased up deaf guy, him running around, um, you know, trying to catch him. That's you don't be don't be doing that, do you? But also the thing I will I will look, look if you go back and look at the 49ers season and look at who either who they've lost to or who they've struggled to they're all, all mobile quarterbacks you've got Russell Wilson Lamar Jackson um, you know even Kyler Murray of the Cardinals gave them a, a bit of a scare he's uh, mobile on his legs as well so um, you know if there's anything one thing that they are susceptible to is the mobile quarterback so it's just about you know has Andy Reid seen that has Andy Reid got something in place to maybe try and nullify that pass rush uh, and keep them you know everyone from from coming. All at, all at once and you know, he's obviously got the the bit between the ears in terms of brain and you know the IQ of, of tr- trying to decipher these things which would be just just interesting to see how much uh, they use Patrick Mahomes um uh, on, on his feet as well so uh, another quick ALB then for Kansas City guys uh Kansas City to get blown out or Kansas um Kansas City to get blown out or or Kansas City to blow out the 49ers Sean we'll start with you I don't think you can ever expect that the the Chiefs are going to get blown out. There's just too much explosiveness in their own offense, isn't there? You know they proved it in the the um, the game against the Texans, down 24 points to nothing. It looked like it was potentially going to be a blowout, and then before you know it, they're actually back in the lead at half time. Uh, there's just too much explosion. So uh, again, I don't actually see a blowout in it either way. But I think if it, it is likely to happen, then it's probably more likely that Kansas City with the ones inflicting it. I would have suggested. Mm. Yeah, I mean both. Teams have, um, have inflicted blowouts for a couple of times this season. But Lawrence, we go with you. Who do you what do you reckon? In, in the spirit of giving you a fair answer, I'd say that the the Chiefs are going to get blown out. But I'm absolutely with Sean. I don't think either team is really gonna um, gonna get the blowout. The the 49ers, I think, are, are they're gonna run the ball, run the ball hard, and they they're gonna want to do exactly what they did against the Vikings. I mean, that game against the Vikings, they allowed 147 total yards and Dalvin Cook was just made to be completely invisible. So it's possible. But I just, you know, you, you look at the, the the playoff games and I don't think there's any way that you're going to hold the, the Chiefs to under 24 points. So it could be, it could be something like, you know, 38-24 but you, you just never know so I, I kind of you know I don't really think it's going to be a blowout by, by either team I think it's going to be close mm, that wasn't the question Lawrence <laughs> I know well, I've, I've gone with it being blown out so to be fair uh, Lee uh, I think it's more likely that the Chiefs get blown out because uh, if the 49ers can control the clock with their running game you know and limit the possessions and then if, you know, the defence gets on top of the 49ers, which, you know, they are one of the better defences in the NFL now. Um, you know, they might be limited in possessions and the 49ers can score at will as well. So I would say that way. Mm. One thing I will say, James, just before I come to you, I saw some stats. Uh, I think it was next-gen stats. Um, the 49ers and, and the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of eye formation. I think the San Francisco 49ers, I think, run the most out of eye formation. Uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs give up the most yardage and the, big, the biggest plays through the eye formation on defence. So if uh, the 49ers do get ahead early, I can I kind of expect them to, to be... 
going to, to that. I think what have I got stats here? Um, Kansas City Chiefs give up 6.4 yards per carry and 20% more, uh, of those plays have gone for more than 10 yards. So, um, yeah, uh, I've got here but in my notes. Damian Wilson's obviously critical to that. When he's on the field, uh, the measure will be better in terms of uh, against the eye formation as well. So, um, yeah, very interesting. But uh, James, obviously, just finish off for you. Uh, KC to get blown out or do they blow out the 49ers? What's more likely? I keep I keep flip-flopping because, to be honest, Mahomes has got that, what's the word I'm looking for, improvisation to be able to effectively outfox the 49ers. The 49ers' defensive strength is effectively being able to read very quickly what's going on. But if you can't, you know, if the plays are unpredictable even to your own team, then Mahomes has a way of probably getting through the 49ers and to be able to get a blowout. But I can see where everyone else is coming from with the 49ers can control the game. And if they nullify Mahomes, then they can probably score at will themselves. So um, either is possible, neither is the most likely. If I have to get off the fence and pick a side, um, I'll go with the thought of the Chiefs would be more like to get <laughs> blown out just so it'll spite <laughs> you again. <laughs> Awesome, um, yeah, yeah. I, I I can't see. I mean, we're we're getting to storylines very shortly, but uh, yeah, I just can't see why Andy Reid won't do stuff to try and get outside the uh, offensive line to try and get outside tackle box and do stuff to the outside like jet sweeps and and wide receiver screens and that kind of stuff as well. So, uh, but we shall see. Okay, for third down, I've told everyone to pick a storyline that they're looking out for in the Super Bowl. Um, I will start. I'll start with um, the Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan. There, I'll start with the head coaches. Um, you know, I mentioned it at the top of the show. Have they learned from their previous? disappointments in the Super Bowl uh, obviously Andy Reid losing to the Patriots with the Eagles um, quite a lot he got quite a lot of flack actually towards the end of that game yeah but with the the way that he's he set out his offense obviously he needed two score two scores down uh, and essentially needing a two-minute offense but it ended up being four minutes so not really giving them too much chance uh, to win we all know about his his kind of his knock has been postseason record it's currently at 500 at 14 wins and 14 losses uh, and we all know that he is prone to making the old uh, time management mistake as well so you know if he if he manages to win his his first Super Bowl, you have you have to believe he's going to be up there in the in the reckoning for like some of the best one of the best coaches of all time, you know, top five if not top ten if he's not there already. But yeah, until you win a Super Bowl, you don't validate how good you are as a coach. To be quite honest, so you you, know, you kind of need that Super Bowl ring to to, to show for your efforts. So has Andy Reid has, uh, learned anything? Obviously, Carl Shanahan as well. Super Bowl against the Patriots, you know, those kind of th- those kind of things are a bit of a freak of nature and you know blowing a 25 point lead does not happen very often but you know some of the offense some of the blame has to go on him as the offense you know did turtle up a little bit little bit you know you can't it's not his fault the defense couldn't hold a 25 point lead but you still need to stay true stay aggressive until the final whistle so it'd be interesting to see if they do um i think they probably will if they do get into a big lead they've done this season they just they'll just continue to to put the pressure on and and ensure that you know, they keep playing till till that final whistle as well so that's kind of the storyline i'm i'm looking out for what's what you know how how the head coaches are going to coach this one because uh, it's obviously more than paramount to to win in a super bowl so that's what i'm going to be looking out for Sean, what are you looking for what are you looking out for yeah, so I'm looking at a matchup on um, well from both sides of the defence, which is actually on the defensive line. And who would have thought that back in the off season, you know, the the Kansas City Chiefs giving up a first round pick and a second round pick to acquire Frank Clark from the Seahawks at the time, and moving on from D Ford. D Ford obviously ends up um, with the 49ers, and you know, quite an expensive price that the the um, 
that the Chiefs give up for this trade, you know, essentially a first round and second round pick plus 105 million reportedly over five years. They certainly felt as though they were getting an upgrade. And I think, you know, one of D Ford's most infamous plays when he was with the Chiefs was obviously in the postseason last year when he lined up in the neutral zone against the Patriots. And it actually ended up nullifying what would have been a game ceiling interception on that particular play. And for some reason, Frank Clark seems to have had a bit of beef with um, with Ford about this this week. He, you know, he's actually called him out on it. Um, you know, saying it was a mental mistake. Essentially, saying that you know he's never jumped offside in his career. Um, you know, it's fine to to sort of jump off if you like to try and get a a good timing on the snap, but lining off um, in the neutral zone is inexcusable. He, he's really gone for him for whatever reason. Um, you know, Frank Clark's bigging himself up a little bit, isn't he? Saying you know they haven't seen a defensive end like me which is a little bit weird from a guy that used to play um, you know, against this team when he was a divisional rival. Um, so Frank Clark's only got to be in his bonnet this week. Um, it be interesting to see which one of the two comes out um, on the winning side. D Ford's not had as many sacks as Frank Clark, but he's been you know, a decent uh, contributor on that um, pretty stout offensive, uh, defensive line, as Lawrence talked about earlier. Um, so it'll be interesting, although they won't be on the field at the same time, just to see who comes out in the better of that matchup. Mm, no, absolutely indeed. Lawrence, go over to you. What are you looking out for in Super Bowl? I've got two lesser known names that could have a big breakout game. So I've got one for each team. So for the Chiefs, I've got a guy, and I will butcher his name Tano Capassagnon. <laughs> so <laughs> he is a third year defensive end. Um, Second round pick from Villanova, started his career slowly. One of the reasons he was drafted was his body frame, six foot seven, 36 inch reach, and he had a knack in college for blocking kicks. He shared his first start with Patrick Mahomes in the final week of the 2017 regular season, and he had seven tackles and two sacks in his first career start. In his first two seasons, he was actually a pass-rushing outside linebacker in a um, 3-4 defense. And he didn't complain about it, learnt a lot. Then this, um, this season, he's had eight starts, but played all 16 games. Four sacks, 29 tackles, and two block kicks. Blocked an extra point that got returned against the Raiders for a two-point score. And he blocked a field goal against the Patriots. Bringing it right up to date, he's actually had two sacks in the AFC Championship against Ryan Tannehill, both in the fourth quarter, which is a really good sign. You know, a lot of people will be wearing down, but two sacks in the fourth quarter, pretty impressive. Just my tiny little retro reference, most sacks in a Super Bowl is four by Elsie Greenwood for the Steelers um, in, on that steel curtain defence back in the 70s. But we've got to remember, only four Super Bowls ago, there was a guy who played for the Carolina Panthers who was completely unknown to everybody called Coney Ely. And he had three sacks of Peyton Manning in Super Bowl 50. So you just never know. Anything's possible in a Super Bowl. So watch out for um, Passignon. He wears number 92. And I think he's got a big chance to, to wreck Jimmy G's day. Mm. On the 49ers side, um, a name that not a lot of people are talking about because he doesn't, he's not a... He's not a starter in terms of the offence, but this is the 49ers Richie James. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say Jimmy Garoppolo. 
it's it's not ending, is it? It's not it's not even going to end when the Super Bowl's over. No. The digs at digs at poor old Jimmy G. Um, Richie James, second year receiver, and and he's a return specialist, drafted in the seventh round from the lesser known Middle Tennessee State. He had monster college seasons, catching over 100 passes in two of his three college seasons and averaged over nine yards a rush in college. He's made cameo appearances with the 49ers offense in his, in his two seasons. He's only got 15 career catches, but averages 19.7 yards a catch. Where he's absolutely excelled is the return game. He's already had a regular season return touchdown as a rookie. Went 97 yards to the house against the Seahawks. This season, he's had an 81-yard kick return against the Rams. And in fact, his last two catches went for 40 yards and 57 yards. So he has that big play potential. He's played around two-thirds of all of the 49ers postseason special teams plays. And he's returned three kicks and four punts. We've got to remember here, it is not unprecedented to win a Super Bowl MVP as a returner. Desmond Howard did it for the Green Bay Packers. He had 244 all-purpose yards in 1996. James, he is a big outside shot about making a big impression, but it is possible. And he can be used on offense, I think, to exploit some potential weak matchups. Daniel Sorensen... If he gets a one-on-one with Sorensen, he could burn him for a 50-60 yard touchdown. And he has the capability of taking a punt return or a kick return to the house. So look out for Richie James as well. Yeah, I'm actually I'd be fascinated to see how the teams kind of defend the the uh, special teams kind of stuff. Because uh, obviously you've got Nicole <laughs> Harbin on the other side as well. So it'd be interesting to see if they just kick out of bounds and kick touchbacks and all the rest of it as well. Because I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think any chances will be taken on, on either side trying to defend those special teams. So, but we shall see. James, talking of special teams, we'll come to you. Yeah, um, we've talked a lot about both offences, but I'm going to concentrate on the kickers. Um, Robbie Gold versus Harrison Butker. So, um, put it this way, the golden boy versus the butt kicker, as we've dubbed it. Um, so, Robbie Gould's never missed a kick during the postseason in his career. Butker's missed one, and that was in his debut season in 2017. So, both of them pretty successful. And throughout this season, they've both been exceptional. Most pretty much automatic when it comes to PATs and field goals. Both of them very much in the high percentage bracket. Um, Buck has got the longer range, but Gould seems to be a little bit more reliable. Certainly has more experience in the much bigger games, shall we go that way. It could very well be one of those games that comes down to the kickers being able to make it from distance. And this season, Butker has been much more successful at the longer range. He's had three kicks over 50 yards, whereas in the regular season, that is anyway. Uh, whereas Gould didn't make any of his four attempts. Now, in the postseason, Gould is the only person to have attempted and succeeded from beyond 50 yards. So I don't know what it is about the postseason and Robbie Gould, but it just seems to turn him up. So it could very well come down to if one of them does miss, that could be the blink that decides it. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens if either of them have to take a shot from range, especially if it's either for the win or going into halftime. 
No, absolutely. And obviously this one's outside as well. So uh, Miami can be a bit, uh, known for a bit of wind, maybe a bit of rain. I, don't know, I haven't looked at the weather yet. Um, it's too far ahead for me to, to even trust that at the moment. But um, <laughs> I no, doubt, <laughs> no doubt I'll be looking at nflweather.com come Sunday morning. Um, Lee, finish off with you, mate. What are you looking forward to? Don't tell me defence. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Hashtag for <laughs> you the You know brand. me too well. You know me too well. Um, I feel like the linebackers hold the key to this game on both sides of the ball. Uh, for both, sorry, not both sides of the ball, both teams, sorry. I think Jacob mentioned on the 49ers pod on Monday, uh, the Niners don't give up too much tight ends, whereas the Chiefs do. And obviously with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey in this game, it's quite a big start and a big statement to kind of go along. But my storyline's going to kind of dip into the why, why I think this, not, you know, outside of the two tight ends. If we start with the linebackers for the 49ers, you've got Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and Dre Greenlaw as well. They can all run, they can all cover, they can all blitz, as Sean mentioned earlier. I think they're well equipped to combat the play action, the creativity of Andy Reid's offense. They can all come down and can all cover. You know, both of these teams run and have a lot of success off play action. Kansas City are always looking for the big players we've mentioned several times. The Niners and Kyle Shanahan are always doing this. You know, trying to get the scheme guys open, whether that be in the run game, out of the backfield, or you know, wide receivers on the rare occasion that Jimmy G throws it, as we say. But I think if Kyle Shanahan sorry, and Jimmy G can pick on Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens, I think KC are going to have a long night because I don't think they're well, well equipped to you know, combat this because I think they're two kind of run-defending linebackers more than pass-defending linebackers. So I think if the, if the guys running the offense there can pick on these guys, you know, run play action behind them, two-way goes with tight ends, George Kittle, block them up with Juszczyk uh, and George Kittle, I think it's going to be a long night. You know, they're going to need help from the likes of Daniel Sorensen. He's not the greatest safety in the world either. So I feel like, as I said before, if the 49ers can kind of contain the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, Mahomes' legs, as you referenced earlier, I think it's going to be a long night. And I think that's the, the key to it, the linebackers. That's where they're going to be picked on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sorensen and uh, Damian Wilson, yeah, like I say, they, those guys have got a big, big, big job on their hands trying to identify what's, what's going on now in that, in that. Uh, on that San Francisco 49ers offense. So, um, okay, let's uh, before we get out of here, fourth down, then predictions. Uh, everyone's predictions for the big game. Well, I've got some uh, some predictions from the uh, Facebook groups and Twitter. Everyone's been getting to nearly 50, 50 of you or so got in touch with us. So, yeah, appreciate that. But before we get to those, let's go around the table and get some po- uh, some everyone's predictions for the game, maybe plus a, a bold one as well. Um, I'll go first. Um, I, I think this will probably be a very high, historically high scoring game. Um, I think there will probably be also a, a reversal of Kansas City uh, games over, over recent weeks by actually being up early rather than being down early so um, coming out of the gates I'm hoping that the first t- the, the first score is a, is a special teams touchdown as well so uh, I did mention that special teams you know will the defense of it being you know kick out of bounds or kick touchbacks uh, I do think that there will be a special teams touchdown uh, in this game because like I say Richie James and uh, Michael Hardman are two of the best in the league at the moment um, I think the 49ers will pull it back it'll be a field goal game either way uh, I'll be wearing my lucky shirt my lucky pants and lucky socks to ensure a Chiefs victory um, because if the 49ers win the next podcast is going to be quite something <laughs> so, so there is that um, eyes peeled for that one ladies and gentlemen Sean let's come to you for your predictions yeah so I've, I've kind of gone full circle as I said you know genuinely really sort of gone backwards and forwards on this and, and the more I look at it I think you know all the stats sort of point if you like to 
the Chiefs' offense being pretty unstoppable, but then that really does do a discredit to the 49ers who actually had a higher scoring offense. I think, you know, again, we just probably continue to to not give them the credit that they probably deserve. And for that reason, I'm probably going to pivot away from my pre postseason prediction of the Chiefs going all the way and getting the job done. I'm actually going to take the 49ers to win this one. I think it'll be a close game. I think, uh, you know, potentially agree with you in terms of the scoring. I think it could be, you know, particularly high scoring. But here's a bold prediction for you and one that you will love, mate. Let's go for Jimmy G throws for more yards than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I think uh, we've, I've, I've got one of the, I've someone in the Facebook group has said that as well. I'll, I'll name the culprit in the ship very shortly. Uh, Lawrence, what do you reckon? I'm, I'm very similar to um, the opinions given so far. I love to give an actual score just so I, people can laugh at me afterwards. But I've got a 33-31 49ers win with a Robbie Gould field goal to win the game as time expires. And then, Tim, sustain yourself from hard laughter. I've got Jimmy Garoppolo not only passing for 300 yards, but getting the MVP. Get off this podcast right now. <laughs> um, well, I mean, certainly if it sends into a shootout, I wish it should be. Um, I don't see why it's not within the realms of possibility, but, uh, but we shall see. Um, there's going to be a common theme here for you there, for the next two. It's going to be four versus one, isn't it? Lee, what are you going for? Yeah, so I've got a pretty narrow 49ers win, maybe by between three and six points. I think my original prediction was something like 41-38, something like that. And I'm sticking with it. I just can't root for a team, well, that plays in the Chargers division, has Tyreek Hill and has Frank Clark. So, And, you know, we've obviously got this preseason debate that we had between the 49ers not making the playoffs even. And look where, we've got, look where we are now. Um, so, you yeah, know, I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stick with it and yeah it's going to be a narrow win for the 49ers like I say I think everything that I've predicted on the podcast so far has been for the 49ers so uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to stop now yeah that, that music you can hear is my uh, coffin being brought out and dying on that hill but um, anyway let's finish <laughs> <laughs> let's finish it off James what are you going to to get it in some way well you know? yeah you know you know yeah. got to have a couple of years of this yet until Jimmy G retires <laughs> James <laughs> finish us off <laughs> <laughs> what finish you off? Well, yeah, well, we might as well. I, I, <laughs> yeah, well, you may be a bit of deja vu when it comes to uh, what I'm predicting. I've, I've also gone with Robbie Gould winning it with a walk off field goal. Um, 31 30 was my score prediction for the 49ers. Um, and I don't know whether this is a bold prediction or not, but um, I've got a feeling. George Kittle may be the first tight end to get Super Bowl MVP. Mm, I like it. I uh, like it. Okay, let's get to Twitter and Facebook. Let's get some of these uh, bold predictions that everyone has. Come out. Mike Crow from Facebook says 49-43 in overtime. In black, I think it implies a, t- a touchdown was scored. So potentially a one-possession uh, one OT there, which obviously will resurface some of the overtime rule debates, uh, no doubt. Uh, Ryan Cridland, Jimmy G has less completions than the eight that he had in the championship game. Wouldn't call that bold personally, but you never know. Uh, Mark, Mark Roberts, Jimmy G to throw four interceptions and two pick sixes again not bold uh jason bowdler says frank clark to win mvp uh, ben wilson says two onside kicks to be recovered and mahomes to throw for over 600 yards 
Paul Cartwright says Jimmy G to have more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes. I think, yeah, that was the, there's, you, there's your culprit there, whoever, whoever said that earlier. Um, then there's some loads of uh, lovely, wonderful, wacky ones, including Scooby-Doo, Carbon Footprints, and Bill Belichick as well. Uh, quick gloss over on Twitter at Scony Josh. Kelsey to set tight end records for receiving and touchdowns. At Andy Rubble 666, a safety to win it in overtime. Uh, Jay Ridgway, Robbie Gould, MVP. There you go, Lawrence and uh, James. There, one for you there. Uh, at Not Barry, Patrick Mahomes, three interceptions, including one pick six. And then last couple here at Rack Pradhan, tie at halftime, tie at full time, Kansas City to win overtime. And then finally, James Rue, one Debo Samuel to lead all skilled players in total offense. Anyone, anyone like any of those? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone for any more? If if Patrick Mahomes puts up, if Patrick Mahomes puts up six hundred yards, that would be <laughs> incredible. That is the boldest of bold predictions I think I've ever heard. To break the single passing game record in the Super Bowl <laughs> against this defense would be absolutely unbelievable. And learn to say- they'd still lose. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to say, uh, obviously we're all on webcam as we we go on this position at uh, this podcast. But Sean's face as that was read out <laughs> almost made me laugh. I had to hold it in. <laughs> Excellent work, excellent work. There you go. Any more, any more before the big game? We'll retweet some of those out as well. So, our uh, full 10 yards, obviously, on the Twitter. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that, folks. Uh, but the referees are coming in for just before the, for the Super Bowl edition of this podcast. So, it's time to get out of here. Okay, so yeah, just before you all sit down and watch the Super Bowl and enjoy uh, last 60 minutes of the season, don't forget to check out some of the, the like I said, at the top of the show, the San Francisco and Kansas City-centric podcasts earlier in the week by Sean doing a fab job with some of the gang here at the full 10 yards. Go and check out Lawrence's 1981 49ers article. Easy for me to say, you know, i got full house. Um, <laughs> and Alex uh, Alex Lewis as well put a little, a little article together uh, about Nicole Hardman, potentially one of the secret weapons there for the Kansas City Chiefs. So some articles uh, for some reading material there in terms of regarding the Super Bowl. In terms of the regular season, obviously 30 other teams are currently sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. Um, but we are hitting you with some season reviews. So we've already done the Saints, Cowboys, Steelers, Browns, Chargers, Raiders, Texans, and I think the Bengals today as well. But obviously we'll be covering all 32 teams, which one that will have the... Uh, the the happy ever after uh, with the Super Bowl win as well. But we'll be back in a couple of days, probably on Friday, to do the betting podcast. £100 challenge, as usual, we do for the, for the Super Bowl and some of the big games of the season. So Adam um, will give you the lowdown on all the props for the Super Bowl, including National Anthem, Coin Flip and Gatorade Shower. Got a good, good little bet for that one. Um, so keep your ears peeled for that and make sure you tune in. Obviously, we'll have some other, another plethora of guests as well. But that's it. That's it. That's the the last kind of NFL podcast for the Super Bowl, guys. It's um, sad times. What? Uh, where, where, Sean? Where are you going to be watching it? Uh, just at home, mate. Uh, just at home. I've got my little snack helmet ready. Um, so <laughs> NFL's uh, UK Facebook page will be happy, mate. I'll uh, I'll just enjoy it at home. All right, I'll be around about ten o'clock. Is that all right? Super, mate. <laughs> Lawrence, where are you watching it? Yeah, in the living room. Pull up a chair right in front of the TV, like I've got no eyesight left. Uh, how many how many Super Bowls have you watched, Lawrence? Live, this, I, I. You like to keep track of this kind of stuff. Live, I watched was Super Bowl twenty one. Oh, so this is my thirty. Thirty fourth. Um, like thirty third. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to say Super Bowl minus one. 
that kind of a yeah. uh, one, one piece. And, and interestingly, I've only fallen asleep in two Super Bowls. First <laughs> one was the first one I ever watched because I was only 13 years old, and I fell asleep in the in in the first half. Woke up in the fourth quarter, and then the Super Bowl where the 49ers absolutely whooped on the San Diego Chargers. I missed probably the the whole second half there, fell asleep, because that was a blowout. But they're the only two games <laughs> I've, I've fallen asleep in. So, yeah, not too bad for, for you know, three decades worth of Super Bowls. There you go, Lee. Yes, no, just at home, just like the other guys. Um, have a little pre-match nap so I can stay up through it and then, uh, yeah, be able to power through and not add to my record of falling asleep, which... It's been bad, to be honest with you. <laughs> I always have it. The halftime break is so long that, you know, the power nap that you can get in a halftime is always overextended too much. You miss a little bit of the third quarter. But, um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be trying to avoid that. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not going to be watching Shakira and J-Lo, are we? For, let's, let's be honest. Uh, James, what are I you doing? I didn't even know who it was. Did you not? <laughs> you did. You, you've got their back catalogue, mate. <laughs> 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 Watch, watching with mute on potentially I don't know um, I'll be at home with the wife watching it um, I've got Monday booked off like I imagine many people will do good so, lad um, very, very much uh, Monday being a writer um, probably chatting online with everyone her dad's a massive 49ers fan since he got into the NFL about two three years ago and he still blames me for that so um, I'll be rooting on the 49ers both on his behalf and Again, just despite you. Mm, absolutely. Um, and before we do get out of here, I actually do want to do one little thing. If uh, lo- uh, turn your turn your ca- turn your video cameras off for one second, I'm going to all ask you a question. I don't want to see if your your face. Turn turn your videos off. Turn your videos off. All right. So the question was never on anyway. No. The question is, I want all right. Hands up if you think Jimmy G is a good quarterback. No, I can't see any hands. That's good. Right, let's get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get out of here. Right, everyone, enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, so take, us, take some pictures where you're watching it. Give us some bold predictions. We'll retweet some of those over at the full 10 yards. Hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure you check out all the podcasts this week. But we are, I'm going to go and get my bets ready for the podcast on Friday. But it's time to say goodbye from everyone. So let's go. Oh, round table. Lawrence, say goodbye. Take care, everybody. And, and rest in peace, Chris Dolman. All-time sack leader who who sadly passed away. Um, Famous Minnesota Viking. So very, Mm. very sad loss there for the Viking. Mm. Hall of Famer. So don't want to end it on a sour note, but I just wanted to give some respect to Chris Dolman. Excellent pass rusher. Yeah, Mm -hmm. not bad. Not a bad shout indeed. Uh, Say goodbye, James. Enjoy Sunday, everyone. See ya. Goodbye from Lee. Yeah, see you on the other side, people. See you next year. See you for the draft season. And goodbye from Sean. Cheers, fella. Enjoy the big one. And it's goodbye from me in the great words of Kevin Cato. It's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.